So in your Bible, actually, uh, we're going to look at three different scriptures this morning. And we're going to start out with Philippians chapter 4, even though I know we went over it a couple weeks ago. It's almost like if you go back and listen to that message, it's, it's even more relevant to what's going on right now. Um, but the title of the message is, uh, the title of the message is Settled Hearts. Settled Hearts. And again, in light of what's going on in our world right now, the Lord put it on my heart to hold off on starting Colossians this week. Uh, instead, we're going to look at some scriptures that have to do with our hearts and our lives in light of what's going on in the world around us. And we must keep in mind that the Bible is completely relevant to our everyday lives. right? How many of us know that God has met us through His Word time and time again? It's amazing. God's Word speaks to our situations from day to day, and it's, it's astounding. And so again, we're going to take a look at three scriptures that have to do with three essential things that I believe will help to settle our hearts as Christians. Um, and God's Word gives us clear perspective on life and reminds us of the actions that we should take as believers. And so the points this morning are calling upon God, number one, calling upon God. Number two, trusting in God. And number three, waiting on God. So calling upon God, trusting in God, and waiting on God. And as a church body, we aren't going to stick our heads in the sand, you know, nor are we going to sit on our hands and do nothing during this time, because there are some actions that we can take as believers that will help our hearts. <laughs> because the fact is, and you guys know, you've seen the news, you maybe have been to the store, fear is out of control right now. Fear is out of control. I was at Costco a couple of days ago, and you've seen the news, you experience what's going on right now, and fear is running rampant. There's a hysteria that is very tangible, and quite frankly, people are freaking out. Um, some would say people are just being smart as they're preparing. Others would say people are being way too crazy right now. There's two ends of the spectrum, right? Two sides of the spectrum. But as a church, as men and women of God, we must not ever give in to fear, nor let anxiety cause hysteria in our hearts. And I would just say, don't let anxiety cause hysteria in your heart. Instead, we need to do what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for what? Nothing, right? Yeah, be anxious for nothing. That means no, in the Greek, it means no thing, which means nothing. Be anxious for nothing. We just went over this command in God's word a couple weeks ago, but I think it needs to be reiterated. And may this scripture really run through our minds and really be ingrained in our hearts. Be anxious for nothing, even with a coronavirus going on. This is a command, right? Be anxious for nothing. It's not a suggestion. Hey, why don't you be anxious for nothing? Have a good day. It's not like this casual thing. It's emphatic. Be anxious for nothing. Yes, we take what's going on seriously. And yes, we are saddened and grieved by those who have lost their lives. But, but even still, there, there's no need to be anxious. But there is a need to be in serious prayer. Serious prayer. And Paul goes on in Philippians 4 to say, Pray, which will bring peace which will guard our minds and our hearts. I love that. So prayer leads to peace, leads to protection. I mean, that is the amazing progression here. Prayer, peace, protection. And it's so important to not fear and to stay in prayer. Because when you stay in prayer, you're not going to fear. And I would add, pray to the Lord specifically during this time for wisdom. Because sometimes there's a fine line between anxiety and wisdom. See, we're not called to be paranoid, but we are not called to be foolish either. 
So what we'll be looking at are some scriptures that will help us through this time and just give us a biblical and godly perspective. See, the Bible is old, but it's not outdated. It's old, but it is not outdated. God's word is completely relevant to our lives today as it was relevant to the lives of those who had come before us. God's word truly does speak and it's living, it's active. And as believers, we are alive and we should be actively seeking God, right? Through his word. So this one main reason we come together to get into God's word and let God's word get into our hearts. That's what we're doing, right? So calling upon God, trusting in God, waiting on God. And one person who sticks in my mind is Elijah. Elijah was one who called upon God for there was a famine in the land. Yet God provided for him supernaturally with meat and water. Remember that? God provided for him through the brook and the birds. Elijah had to trust God because he had no other choice. Elijah had to wait on God until the brook dried up and then he was led to a widow and her son, remember, to be used to provide for them. Elijah called upon God, he trusted God, and he waited on God. And the question is, are we doing these things? Are we calling upon God, trusting in God, and waiting upon God? See, there's a balance between God's sovereignty and our responsibility. God works and moves and he's in control, but that doesn't negate our responsibility to be led by God and use wisdom. See, in God's sovereignty, he says, okay, do this. This is the wise thing. And so in, with our responsibility, we have to go, okay, Lord, I'm going to follow you and do that. And, and I hope and I pray that he is our main focus during this season and every day, and that we would seek him and use wisdom during this time and really every season. Because God never told us to just use him and seek him as a backup plan, right? God is not our backup plan. God never okayed that he'd be our plan B. He's our first line of defense, the one whom we go to first each and every day. So let's pray, and then we'll get into these three verses this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this time and even this opportunity to meet outside in your creation, Lord. We pray, God, as we're... Uh, Amongst family, as your family, God, we pray that you'd speak to us, Lord, that you would settle our hearts, Lord, no matter what's going on externally, Lord, internally, you're with us always. That's a promise. And so we thank you for that and pray that you'd speak into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the first point in the first scripture is Psalm 18.6. Psalm 18.6. Calling upon God. Psalm 18.6 says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord, and I cried out to my God, and he heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. And so this psalm was written by David after Saul died, and before he became or was crowned king. And it really was, for David, it was a season of triumph at this point. But David felt compelled and driven to love the Lord and depend upon God because of the way God delivered him. And before this point, David lived as a fugitive for about 20 years after Saul, years after Saul, and Saul was after him, right? For 20 years, David really lost everything during that time, everything. David lost his safety, David lost his family, David lost his career, David lost his rights, David lost his comfort, David even lost his fellowship with the people of God. David, even a couple times, he even lost connection with his relationship to God. But at this point of triumph where David's writing this psalm, he said he called upon the Lord in his distress. When distressing circumstances are around us, you know, our response should mirror David's. We should call upon the Lord. 
We can, we can and should never, we should never undervalue prayer. Prayer is not inaction. That's kind of like the unbelievers as they look at Christians and churches, they go, oh, they can't do anything, so they pray. That's sort of their outlook on the church. But prayer is not, we know, it's not inaction. Rather, prayer is an action that results in the power of God. Prayer brings power. And God's power gives us perspective that brings a courage and even a deeper trust in God. In our distress, let's call out to God. Think about your past, you guys. Like, think about how you were distressed and the, and the Lord completely came through for you. Those, kind of like Joshua, he put those memorial stones up on that dry land to remember what God did. Think about the past, how you were in distress, how you going through difficulty. But God met you right where you're at and got you through. This should be a pattern in the life of believers. This should be our pattern. There are difficult seasons. There are difficult situations. Sometimes it seems like we're going from a trial to a storm to a hardship. And we're like, well, when is the clear day going to happen? Like, I'm tired of these dark times. But God's with us in them and through them. Every single moment, every season, God is with us. And we can either cave in and lose faith, or we can be all in and gain trust in the Lord, even more trust. And so in David's distress, he cried out and he called out to God. And that brings up a few questions. Do you go to God in your distress? Is prayer your first priority? Do you seek the Lord when your heart starts to be unsettled, when anxiety starts to creep in? You know, one of the main actions we get to take as a church is to pray. And you know, the president declared this day a national day of prayer. And so I would just encourage all of us, like, be in prayer today, all day, just as you're going throughout your day, just pray for the nation, pray for the community, just seek the Lord. Pray that God would move radically during this time. Because historically, those times where the world was in most chaos were the, time, were the times actually where God's people were used the most, where Christ's light shined even brighter. So pray for the world, the nation, our state, our community, the families in this city, for your, your family, for God to even use what's going on presently as a platform for us to let people know about the hope that is sure, the hope that is real. So in David's distress, what did he do? Freak out and run away? No, he called upon God. And the comforting and the reassuring reminder is that God heard him. Just simple, right? But God heard him. David said, or he sung, that the Lord heard him in the temple. And the great truth is that God hears us. Anywhere we are, whatever state or season we're in, God hears us. He sees us now, he hears us now, and he's here right now. So David says, his cry came before him. I love that. His cry came. Prayer, here's the thing. Prayer doesn't take the place of taking action. Prayer is the action. Prayer is the action. It should be our first line of defense, not our last priority. I don't know about you guys, but the fact that God actually hears my prayers and hears our prayers, it's just mind-blowing. It's astounding. Call upon him and he will hear you. And this truth, I think, should bring instant comfort to your heart and it should cause you to call upon God even more. See, even though the Lord already knows your heart, He wants to hear your voice. He already knows what you're going through. So people are like, why do I even have to pray to Him? He knows, but He wants to hear your voice. You can know someone's heart, but you still want them to talk to you, right? And have a connection with you. If me and my wife was like, you know, I already, I love you. I told you that's, I told you once, that's probably good for the rest of our lives. Like, no, she wants me to talk to her and and communicate with her because we love each other. Same with the Lord. 
Same with the Lord. He wants us to call upon him, seek him, especially in this time. So number one, calling upon God. And number two, trusting in God. Psalm 25.1. Psalm 25.1. Trusting in God. Psalm 25.1 says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. And if you read Psalm 25, it's full of intense affection towards God from David. And he basically professes his desires for God and really shows his dependence upon God. People depend on a lot of different things in this life, right? And at this point in time, people are feeling like they can't depend upon much. Even as the stock market is going crazy and people are out of work, kids, kids all around the country are not going to school for a few weeks. I have a bunch of pastor friends, you know, in different states who... They regularly meet for church in schools, and some of the schools are, are, most of the schools are closing down. They can't meet anymore, and some of them are even like, you can't meet anymore ever. I'm just like, man, so we're praying hard for what's going on. These are shaky times, and that is why now more than ever, we must trust God. And so may this be a time where even though external circumstances are shaky, that our trust in the Lord will be stable that our trust in the Lord will be stable and consistent. Like, like in life, we may not always be stable, but we know for a fact that God is stable. And when we rest upon Him and trust in Him, we will be on solid ground. We'll be on solid ground. The Lord is our foundation in this life. And He's our solid foundation, the foundation that our faith is built upon. You know, even when things seem to be crumbling around us, our faith can still be built. Our faith isn't gonna crumble. As long as we stay founded upon the rock and we stay upon the rock, that is Christ. Even our, even our perceived trials can actually build our faith in God because when it seems like things are up in the air, we know that even then God's in control. Even then God's in control. Having trust in God, it will eradicate fear that emanates from this world and from the enemy and from our flesh. And see, Right now in our world, the enemy wants us to use what's going on right now against believers. Shut down all the churches. Make everyone freak out and hide in their houses and not ever go to church or worship God anymore. Let's just, let's just stay in the, the bubble of fear. You know, he, he wants, the enemy wants to break the church apart. But God wants to use what's going on, I believe, to bring us together in unity that much more. Like we trust in God individually, yes, but we can trust God together as well. You know, and there is strength in numbers, especially when God's people are united in seeking Him. I mean, think about the book of Acts. It's radical. The book of Acts is amazing. When, when the Jesus followers, they got together and they prayed, man, power fell from heaven and amazing things happened. Thousands of people were saved. And so let us be in unity as we look to God and seek Him for what He would have us do during this time. That as we trust in Him, we will glean His wisdom and direction for our families and for our church and for our lives. But please remember guys, God always comes through. He always comes through, always. So call upon God, number one. Trust in God, number two. And number three, waiting on God. Waiting on God. So for that, we look at Psalm 27, 14. Waiting on God. And the Psalm says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And so when David was saying this to himself or his friends, either way, it is so encouraging and a great reminder because as you wait upon God, make sure to be courageous. 
as you wait upon God, the Lord works on your heart. God works in the waiting. And that's something God has reminded me like over the last decade, all the time. Because everything takes longer than we want it to, right? Everything does. That's why everything, there's fast food, there's more than fast food. Now there's, you just get stuff delivered to your house. Like you don't even have to do anything. But people don't like to wait. But we got to wait upon God because when we're waiting upon God, that's when he strengthens our hearts. And he'll get us and he'll build courage within us. The Lord will strengthen our hearts. It's just amazing progression here. Be of good courage. It means that your heart is fixed upon God. Being of good courage means your heart is fixed upon God. And the heart for the Christian is the core of the Christian being. The heart is everything that makes you, you. That's your heart. Because Christians are always talking about the heart, the heart. What's like my beating heart? No, the heart, everything that makes you, you, the seat of your emotions, the core of who you are. That's your heart. And so being courageous means, you know, that your eyes, your heart is, it's fixed upon God. Not wavering with the circumstances of this world, but fixed upon the Lord uh, consistently. Because your heart will be attached with whatever you're consumed with, right? As we, as we, or are we consumed with the things of God or are we consumed with the things of the world? We just want to say, oh, with God, of course. But sometimes our lives don't act like it. You know, sometimes as believers, we actually live as if there is no God because we're lacking trust and courage and boldness. And so what do we do to get that boldness, that courage, that trust? We seek the Lord. We fix our hearts upon Him. Because there's nothing guaranteed in this life. Death and taxes, they say, right? But I mean, you know what's guaranteed is that God is real and he's with you and he's going to get you through and he's for you and he will give you all you need to get through everything you face. With the uncertain future, God can still settle your heart if it's fixed upon him. Now, if it's fixed upon a person, if you put all your hope in that person, then is there gonna, there's going to be let down. If your heart is fixed on a situation, then you're going to be let down. If your heart is fixed on things of the world, you're going to be depressed. But if your heart is fixed upon the Lord, you will have a boldness and a courage and a trust that is like nothing else. The best road that leads to stress, none of us want to be stressed, but the best road that leads to stress is the road that is void of the Lord. Got to remember he's there, like he's with us. He'll get us through. He knows what he's doing. Even when we're like, I have no clue. And a lot of times we're like, I have no clue. I don't know what decision to make. I don't know what to do, but God does. Our hearts need to be fixed upon him. And the best way to be anxious even all the time is to focus on the things around us rather than the Lord who leads us. Like, I don't, I don't want to be stressed, distressed, and upset, do you? I don't want to live my life like that. I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and go, wow, most of my life was just, you know, it was stressed out, I was stressed out, I was anxious, I wasn't even happy, I was hoping for the next thing instead of just being, uh, being okay with what God was doing presently. See, we can be so future-focused that we're not, we lose sight of the present. God wants to do something now. And I believe even during this time, God wants to use you and I, the church, you know, because of course this is the building and we are the church. The church is right here. The people, we are the church. I believe during this time, God wants us to be available for people who are going through it. Like I want to make sure that we're here. I, I even want I'm just praying about how we can reach out to the community, to people who are going to be affected by what's going on. I, I don't want to just be a seat warmer and be like, I did my time on Sunday. You know what I mean? I did my time. I'll see you next Sunday, God. Like, I want it to be an everyday occurrence. The church is living and we need to be active for the Lord and go out there and be a, a safe haven for people who come in here. I don't want to be stressed, distressed, and upset. I'd like to be carefree. 
I like to be at rest. I, I want to have peace in my heart, don't you? So in order to get this peace, we must let no outward chaos move our feet away from the foundation that is Christ. Because there always will be outward chaos. Again, the creation sings in a minor key. And if you think about it, like a minor key, do you guys know what a minor key is? Do you guys? Okay, let me show you. Okay. This was not planned, so if I mess up, sorry. Uh, this is not, so here's a major key. It's nice and happy. Yeah, everyone's happy. Kumbaya, right? Playing worship, it's awesome. And uh, this is a minor key. How does that sound? Happy? No, that sounds sad. It sounds kind of depressing. And so at one time, creation was singing in a major key, and it was beautiful, and it was happy. It was heaven on earth. It was amazing communion with God, but then sin entered the world, and it turned into a minor key, right? And so we have to know that the creation sings in a minor key. There's always going to be difficulty. Sin has invaded this place. We're innately born into sin. We need a Savior. But we have to know that it's always going to be like that. But we also have to know that God is always going to be good. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, as Hebrews says. He doesn't change. He doesn't cease to be good because something bad or difficult is happening in your life. He actually even wants to use that to grow you, to make you thrive, to make you cling to him even more. Because when you're on the mountaintop, as we looked at last week, you're on the mountaintop, everything is great. That's when you can let down your guard. Things are scorched on the mountaintop. And we always see it as a time where I just want to be there praising the Lord. Everything's great. Everything is perfect. And in the valley, do you know what? In the valley where it's dark, that's actually where life grows. It's dark and it's difficult, but that's where life grows. So when our circumstances are dark and difficult, that's where our faith is going to grow. And so we can be, have those moments on the mountaintop and praise God. But he knows what he's doing. Don't be moved awaiting, or don't be moved away from him, you know? Waiting upon God doesn't mean that we do nothing. It means that as we wait for God to come through in particular situations, that we can have courage and gain strength from him. And listen, I'm not worried about what's going on in the world. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm not fearful about what is happening around us, but the reality is, you know, things and people are unstable and unsure right now. And this is why taking action and seeking God will result in settled hearts, even through this, these unsettling circumstances. And I, I don't believe God wants us to freak out or, or be in perpetual fear. I, I believe God wants us to be at, at total peace even when there's turmoil around us. Right? And when people see that we are at ease and rest during this crisis, they will wonder why. And so, and what happens next is an open opportunity to share the hope that we have in our hearts. When people are like, how are you so, why are you at peace? You know, even with these loud birds behind here, how are you at peace? Even with the bugs flying around, like, how are you at peace? Because the Lord, you know, we get to shine his lights and direct people's eyes and hearts and lives to the Lord. And we can let people know why we're saved and why we are established upon the rock and why we are settled during unsettling times. Let me tell you about true hope, about real hope, about hope that doesn't dissipate, about hope that is sure. Let me tell you about Jesus, you know? May our desire be to call upon God, trust in God, and wait upon God. He, he knows what he's doing. We don't know what's going on, but he knows what he's doing. And the darkest times in church history, the darkest times were the times where the light of Christ shined the most. And so now is a great and amazing opportunity to be used by God 
I wanna, I wanna have a heart that is there for others. That's not just looking inward, but that's looking upward and outward. Look up first. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to help? How do you want me to reach out? As a church, what can we do? Can we bring sack lunches to people in the park who, who are struggling now, the single moms who, uh, who are struggling because of what's going on? How, how can you use us? What do you wanna do, Lord? God is in control. Let our hearts be at rest, and together, let's keep praying. I want to keep praying for, for the people around us, and especially people in this community. And as a church, we want to be a light on a hill, not you know a light lit under a table in a basket, right? We want to be on the table, like shining bright. Not so that people can see us, so that people can see Jesus, though. So that people can see God loves them, that there is hope, that there's no reason to freak out, that God is on the throne. He hasn't left the throne. He's like, ah, oh, forget Mobile. See ya. Like, he hasn't left the throne. He's still on the throne. 